you guys hear me? Microphone close enough? No. This better? I can just talk really loud. I can try. You guys hear me all right, though, or not? I'm taller than you, Robert. I gotta adjust this thing. Okay. Um, okay. Well, thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity to preach today. Uh, I have a pretty short message. Um, hope that's okay with everybody. Um, just trying to, I've been thinking a lot to, lately about kind of the state of the church, I would say, in the United States and maybe the West, and especially our church. Wow, that's loud. Um, in general. So, um, We'll talk a little bit about that today. Again, this is my opinion, so as Lewis would say, round files in effect. Um, so this is what I think God's been talking to me about this. Um, but before I really start going through what I think uh, the Lord might be telling us about what's going on with our church and with the church in America and the West, is there some things I definitely want to make sure we all understand. One is that we are God's church, and please don't forget that. He has a plan for us. And as long as we grab hold of him, he will provide whatever we need. He doesn't abandon his people. So no matter how things look, he's there for us. He's not going dis- to abandon us. It also says in the Bible that Jesus walks among his churches. He is with us today, right now. Um, he holds our pastors and leaders up and sustains them. He brings light and life to our church. Christ gave us the Holy Spirit to fill us and to empower us. He shows us the truth and provides us strength when our own strength falls. He is the gift that heaven has given us that identifies us as children of God, and he is always available to us. I know that God has a powerful plan for this church. Our job is simply to seek after him and follow him where he leads. So we just got to remember that he's there. And I know it's tough when we lose members. Uh, We see the church in the West is struggling, and our church is struggling as well in some ways. But God doesn't want us to look around at our situation. He wants us to look up to him with the answers he has for where we're going. And God has shown himself to be faithful to this church and to this membership many, many times. I can think of many, many times. There are many stories the members of this church could tell about how God changed their lives, maybe even saved their lives in some cases, impacted their lives in a meaningful way. So there's no reason to doubt that God understands our concerns and he has them under control. He is in charge. And our problems are so small compared to his power, so we shouldn't worry, although we often do. Given all that, It doesn't mean we shouldn't study today about what maybe Christ and God and the scripture is telling us about the church and where maybe we can go and do better or things that might be causing some struggles with our church and the church in the West. Um, But um, remember that uh, Christ is there and God is with us. So today I'm going to take scriptures from two primary sources, uh, the book of Revelation and the book of Judges. Um, They seem very disparate, I guess, but in one of these books, um, I'm going to read about how God spoke directly to the churches and some of the letters to the churches. And then um, judges talk about how amazing things God was able to accomplish with people that followed him. Um, But I want to remind everyone, if you can only remember one thing today from all that I tell you, is that God has this church 
right where he wants it. I think he's moving the church, our church, and the church in general towards where he wants it even more, which honestly he wants us completely and utterly dependent upon him. He wants us to understand that all the great things the church wants to do, maybe has done, you could talk about politics or charitable things, all those things are good things, but most of all, God wants us dependent upon him and not doing things out of our own power. Okay, so if you turn to the book of Revelations in chapter 2, it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have preserved and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. One who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So I am a doer. I love honey-do lists. You can ask my wife if you don't believe me. I'm weird about that. You give me a list of 100 things to do, I get all excited because I want to accomplish them. And I love checking things off my list. Um, sometimes I wish, you know, if God would have just gave me a list of 20 things I had to do to get into heaven, I would be happy because I would just go knock those off. But that's not how it works. Um, our church does so many great outreaches and does so many things, especially for its size. And all these things are worthy of our time, and all of them have great value. So I'm not trying to undermine any of those. Whether it's water ministry or meat in the street, or pumpkin patch, or any other activities we do to our community. This church does a lot. However, I'm asking myself, do we get so focused in looking outwards that maybe we've neglected somewhat looking inwards? I can only speak for myself, but when helping out a pumpkin patch or meat in the street, I wasn't very focused, honestly, on praying or fasting or seeking after the Lord or asking him what he wanted to accomplish in these activities. I was so focused on just what I had to do and what we had to get ready and how many people we needed to get and how we were going to arrange the food and make sure everything was going to happen. And all those things are important, but I think I personally missed the boat and what I should have been doing. I wasn't really praying about what does God want to do? How is God going to touch the people that come? How are we going to teach these people about the gospel? What am I supposed to be doing and how am I supposed to reach these people? Again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't reach out to the community, heaven forbid, because God wants us to be loving and reach the lost. But as Christ said in the letter to the church at Ephesus, we can't forget our first love, having fellowship with God, having fellowship with each other, discipling each other, caring for each other, correcting each other when needed, becoming like a family, and giving each other grace and understanding and helping each other overcome the things we're struggling with. I think if we focused more on some of those things, I think the other external works will definitely come and we'll have ways of reaching the community. But 
I was finding myself getting so wrapped up in trying to be successful in our outreaches that I kind of missed why we were doing it and a little bit of how we were helping each other. I think one of the reasons why we might have lost members, not just us as a general church, but just the church in America, is that we're trying to do these great things and influence our country, influence our local politics, influence the media, all these things. But are we spending the time we need to to really love on the people we do have and discipling the people we have and teaching them? Um, it takes a lot of time and focus to make a church membership into a body. It takes a lot of dedication and time and focus. And sometimes I think we miss those opportunities when we're looking outward. Because I think there's people hurting in our church. Sometimes I'm hurting. And I think that we miss the boat sometimes. We don't sit down and take the time to love on each other. Um, again, I'm pleased. I'll say a million times. It's not saying don't work, don't touch people, don't do outreaches. I appreciate all the work this church does. It's really important and amazing and impactful. I just want to make sure we're not so focused on being successful with things we do outward of the church that we're missing how we can focus inward to the church. If you look at Revelations 3, there's a similar letter. And this is to the angel of the church in Sardis. It says, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will know, not know at what time I will come to you. Again, there are so many good things this church does. I think we speak the truth. I think we're very accepting and loving. I think we are faithful tithers and hard workers willing to help each other. I think we should build upon those strengths and do more of those things. Let's not grow weary of loving one another or of helping each other. It is sometimes overwhelming all that is required to run a church. And the smaller you get, the more it impacts you. There's praise band, there's cleaning ministry, there's child care, there's children's church, there's Sunday school, there's building repairs we need, there's prayer time, there's small group. There's a lot of things to just keep the church running. So please don't let this burden of work sometimes distract us from the reason we're here together, right? To love on each other and to love God. And it's sometimes overwhelming, and especially when your numbers get small, you look at all the things to do, and sometimes you get overwhelmed. So let's take the time instead to lift each other up in prayer, to sit down together with a brother or sister, lift our voices to God together, ask him for guidance. The time spent in the body is in fervent prayer and in corporate worship, is way more powerful than anything else we could do uh, in this church. Again, you should leave the church in chaos. Don't go that far over. But as our membership has gotten smaller, it's easy to be overwhelmed. So again, we should like look towards each other and strengthen each other for the things we have to do. So there's a verse in the Bible that uh, um, Lewis and me have talked about a few times that I've struggled with, and so I want to look a little bit more at it. It's Matthew 7, 21. And probably all of you have heard this verse. It's one that says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. This verse um, 
uh, I've struggled with for a lot of years. Because I look at this verse originally and I said, man, look at all this great stuff these people are doing. They're casting out demons. They're prophesying in the Lord's name. They're doing great and wondrous works. How is Christ going to know me? Because I haven't done any of those things. And I should do more because I'm not doing enough. I'm not out there prophesying. I'm not casting demons out. And then, as I study this more, I think I've totally missed the boat on this verse. Um, I think the verse is saying something very different. I think it's saying that all those things, doing all these great works, is not what the will of the Father is. Because Jesus doesn't know them, not because they're not doing great works in his name, but because he's not doing what he said. He goes, do what the will of my Father is. So I was looking up, what does that maybe mean? And I looked up in John 6.40, it says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And if you look in Romans 12.2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that is, by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then a very long, probably, explanation is in Ephesians 5, where it says, So ye imitators of God as his dear children, live lovingly, just as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us as an offering and sacrifice, a fragrant aroma to God. Do not let sexual sin, impurity of any kind, or greed even by mentioning among you as improper for saints. Obscene, flippant, or vulgar talk is totally inappropriate. Instead, let there be thanksgiving, for you know very well that no immoral or impure person or anyone who is greedy, that is an idolater, has inheritance in the kingdom of the Messiah and of God. Do not let anyone deceive you with meaningless words, for it is because of these things that God becomes angry with those who disobey. So do not be partners with them. For once you were in darkness, but now you are in light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit and the light produce con consist of every form of goodness, righteousness, and truth. Determine what pleases the Lord, and have nothing to do with the unfruitful actions and darkness produces. Instead, expose them for what they are. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by those disobedient people in secret. But everything that is exposed to light becomes visible, for the light is making everything visible. This is what it says. Wake up, sleeper, arise from the dead, and the Messiah will shine on you. So then be careful how you live. Do not be unwise, but wise, making the best use of your time. Because the times are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Stop getting drunk with wine, which leads to wild living, but keep on being filled with the Spirit. Then you will recite to one another psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And you will sing and make music to the Lord with your hearts. You will consistently give thanks to the God your Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, your Messiah. And you will submit to one another out of reverence for the Messiah. So all these verses about what's the will of God and what Christ wants for us are how we have to move closer to God and how we have to love each other. It's not really focused on outward works. It's not really focused on great things we can do. It's really focused on how we can change our lives and how we can grow towards each other. And I'm looking at those things that we're supposed to do. And am I focusing on those things? Probably not near as much as I should. Am I living a life? Am I trying to be focused on Thanksgiving? Try not to think on evil things that are done or, or idle talk or gossiping? Am I singing to each other's spiritual songs, uplifting people and hymns? No. So I think 
sometimes we want to do these great works, we want to be seen for what we do, but I really do think that sometimes we miss out growing closer to God and being closer to each other. And I think, like I said, as our church has grown smaller, and I think the church in America is somewhat grown smaller, I think God's telling us now is the time for us to focus on him and to grow closer together. Um, like I said, I, towards the beginning of the message that God has us right where he wants us, dependent on him. I think he wants, um, we spend up time, more time, if we spent more time on our knees in prayer and more time seeking after him and more time in healing and touching those in our body who are broken than on meeting, worrying about how we're going to have enough people to, to do events, that we would be a stronger church. And before it seems like God doesn't have this under control. I, I keep thinking my, my verse in Judges Judges 7, uh, the story of Gideon. We're all familiar with this one. Then Jerubbabel, also known as Gideon, got up early along with all the soldiers. They encamped near the Herod Spring. The Midian encampment lay in the valley of the north near the hill of Morah. The Lord told Gideon, you have too many soldiers with you for me to drop Midian to their hands because Israel would become arrogant and say it was my abilities that delivered me. So this story talks about how Gideon went from 22,000 soldiers to 300 soldiers because he wanted 300 people that were focused on God and 300 people that were focused on serving him. And he defeated an army that was described as being as thick as locusts with roughly, I think, 300 men, a few trumpets, and some lamps. It's a pretty amazing story. So I think God, that's what God wants from us today where we're at. He wants a few people, I think this church is the right amount, to be focused on him, to serve him, and he will provide the strength to accomplish whatever this church needs to do. So, again, a short message, um, but mostly I want to say is God has us under control, first of all. He knows where we're at. He knows that there's lots of things we're struggling with, and he sees our, our numbers have grown smaller, but he's in control, and he can accomplish whatever he wants to with this church. I also think God is preparing us preparing us to do something great, and he wants us to focus on strengthening ourselves, strengthening our bodies by getting closer to him, by getting closer to each other, and by sharing each other's burdens and just getting closer to him. So what should we do? Um, I'm not 100% sure. I wish I was. But I'm going to try to start spending much more time praying to God about where this church should be going and how I should serve this church. Um, I need to find a time to spend more time with my brothers and sisters in this church. Um, this town is a bunch of introverts, we've said a bunch of times. I mean, I think COVID didn't help anybody. Uh, we all want to stay in our house, especially with our phones and our TVs. We can keep ourselves entertained, but we really do need to take the effort to get closer to each other. Um, we get to know each other better, to know how to pray for each other, how to strengthen each other, how to share each other's burdens. Um, also, Try to support the church's ministry more. Try to have prayer time, worship time, small groups, any way you can try to get closer to each other so we can grow together as a family. And anytime I get frustrated or, or worried when people leave or things aren't going the way I want them to, uh, I'm going to try to look to God more and ask him, why are we doing this? Where are you trying to lead us and how are you trying to strengthen us? Um, because again, I think he wants this church to be totally 100% reliant on him. And that's really hard for me because I like being self-sufficient. I like to think I got it all under control. But I think God's telling me more and more 
this church and me particularly just to be reliant on him, praying and seeking after him, relying on him, and he has great things for this church. Thanks. Let's uh, pray real quick. Lord, thank you for always being with us, and thank you for always holding us in your arms, always lifting us up, Lord. And sometimes it's hard and we struggle when we see people leave or we see the church struggling or we see the media attacking us. And Lord, I think all this is in preparation for your church, your body, to just learn to be more reliant on you than ever, to be just falling on our knees and just falling into your arms and knowing that you're the only solution we have. Or we also, I think this is a time we need to be in prayer and a time we need to be lifting each other up and teaching each other, giving each other grace, strengthening each other, and just building this body, Lord, and preparing us for whatever you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys.